Welcome to the DAP Project. This is Rhonda. And I'm Aaron. This weekend is the weekend of Independence Day, the 4th of July. And we chose to release this weekend a conversation that we had with two guys from Princeton, Jason and Malachi. The theme of liberation, freedom, independence came to mind as I was thinking about this conversation. So because it is 4th July weekend, I was reading over uh, Frederick Douglass's What to the Slave is the 4th of July. And he says, I am not included within the pale of glorious anniversary. And during our conversation a couple weeks ago, Jason and Malachi returned to this theme of being included, being noticed. Uh, they have this phrase, taking up space. They made a commitment to not be minimized. So this conversation is really beautiful in the way that they share how, uh, how DAP was a way to, to accomplish those goals, to be seen, to create community, to make sure that that they were known. And then there's this other really interesting piece about friendship and how, uh, how Malachi and Jason released themselves from the societally imposed boundaries on what male friendship is supposed to look like and how uh, friendship between black men can encourage each other to do more than they ever thought possible to change this world. So I've listened to this conversation so many times, still makes me laugh, still gives me new things to think about, and I'm really grateful to bring it to the DAP Project community. So Aaron, what really resonated with you about uh, what Jason and Malachi talked about? You know, Rhonda, from the moment that Malachi uh, left his message on our survey for what you thought about DAP, and he uh, gave us that now famous on our site statement of what DAP really is. Um, I've been fascinated by him and twice as fascinated when he brought along Jason to this interview. Uh, it's just wonderful to see the language that the generation that's right behind us has as they discuss, you know, navigating these spaces uh, of uh, Princeton University, of an Ivy League. Uh, we talked about corporate America uh, with Lyle and Winfred, but young people in these predominantly white spaces, uh, these affluent spaces, uh, it's, it's difficult. I see it all the time in my work, and it just, uh, it's very special to see that they have the language, the know-with-all, and the sense of community to get through uh, what they need to get through, and for DEP to play a part in that, um, and it's a necessity in that uh, for black men is something that is, is why we're doing this project. So I appreciate the fellas for coming through for us. Y'all listen in. First question, we ask everybody this question. Um, what's your earliest memory of that? For me, it's the, the barbershop, the first barbershop that I went to growing up in, in Florida. Um, that, was just, that was just the routine. It doesn't matter who came in the door. It was just like a, it was a, um, you know, every, everybody got daps when one person walked in. 
somehow even as the barber was like taking shears to my head, which hasn't happened in a long time. Um, <laughs> he still somehow made the, made the dap happen with folks. Uh, uh, so it was, it was definitely in that community. Um, my barber Lily and like, uh, everyone that came through there, it was, it was like routine, just a greeting. It was like you were entering a space, um, where, where you were about to, you were about to laugh <laughs> and, and just get to carrying on as, as everyone did. Yeah. Around what age are you, you remember what age that was? Ooh. Yeah, so I was um, earliest. We're talking like I want to say, I want to say about six, seven hmm. in there, um, right? And then was going back there for years. Yeah, any, any grow up. <laughs> you have any siblings? Any male siblings, or was it mainly you getting dropped off? Oh yeah, older brother, older brother. He was in there too. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, and what, what part? I was going to ask, what part of Florida are you from? Central Florida. Okay. I'm called Deland. Um, it's not far from like Daytona Beach. Just a little bit. It's north of Orlando. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, for me, yeah, I think this is really interesting. I, I had a little bit of time to think about it. You know, Rhonda kind of said she was going to ask me this, and I'm still kind of... <laughs> <laughs> because it's one of those things that's just so natural, you know, and so... Um, um, and I don't know, it's just so commonplace that, you know, my first true alien memory was after I had been removed from a black environment and then moved back to a black environment that I kind of appreciated some of the small things that were just so culturally relevant. Uh, you know, for, for middle school, I was in Virginia, two terrible years. Um, <laughs> and I returned to DC for high school. So, in a lot of, you know, when I came back to DC, there were just like so many indicators that I had been suburban for a little while, right? Like, you know, my accent was a little different. Um, the way that I was dressing was a little, was a little Virginia, not too Virginia, but like Virginia enough that it's like, you ain't been in a hood. Yes, yes. I, um, you know, one of the ways that I was able to kind of re-engage with, with my community, you know, particularly in ninth grade was, you know, was by actually saying less and kind of just, you know, dabbing up people I didn't know that didn't have much conversation with, but, you know, it was kind of like, what's up, bruh, (laughs) you know? And, uh, you know, it wasn't a lot of conversation between a lot of the people I was engaging with, but so much of it was kind of just reaffirming that I was in that space with that person. And so for me, you know, I started started high school a little young, so I was 12, 13 coming in. And uh, yeah, so around like 2010, 2009, was like the first time I remember like dapping on purpose, you know. Yeah. Did dap look different across different neighborhoods? Uh, I would say so. I feel like my I didn't intentionally dap people up differently, but I think that when I came when I came back to the city, uh, I, I, it was such a thing that I did on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I was the person that was kind of doing too much. I feel like we all kind of know somebody that daps like too hard or like too strong. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, grabs your hand, snaps on the other side, like shoots with two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that for me, um, when I got back to DC, it was something that I just intentionally did and invested so much like emotional energy into. But really when when I got to Princeton, uh, it really kind of felt like this revolutionary act. It really kind of felt <laughs> where I was intentionally taking up space 
uh, with particularly with this one right here. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Let's spend some time in Central Florida. So, Jason, what did that look like in Central Florida? So, you grew up doing it, six years old onwards. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then, so dab just looked like, um, as we said, it was definitely a greeting. It was a greeting. It was how you kind of, um, uh, like, announced your own presence or, or acknowledged the presence of someone else coming into a room. Because, you know, there's that whole idea. I'm, you, you've heard about it, like, um, you know, folks down south, they always, you don't walk into a room without greeting everybody. <laughs> yep. So um, the, that was definitely part of that. Um, you know, however, however brief or <laughs> prolonged it was in the moment, it was just really about, um, you know, greeting and acknowledging friendship or, or just a connection of like shared humanity. Uh, yeah. Did it look the same mm -hmm. from like neighborhood to neighborhood or from school to school? If you saw friends from one mm -hmm. junior high or from another junior high, did everybody dap up the same way or did they have all these extra bells and whistles that, uh, and snaps and shoots that Malachi? Oh, there were, oh, there were bells. There were bells. And so, um, there was, <laughs> there was definitely a group of folks who, um, when you were dapping, you always had to, you couldn't just go in straight and, and, and clap it. You always had to like, the, the fingers came up and you <laughs> kind of fly real quick before you brought it down. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah there were little things it, it was definitely um you know there was there are strong similarities between like my town and, and a couple of the towns around me um mm. just because like the the city lines and the, the town lines they're not really cut and dry it's more so like which side of the train tracks are you on mm -hmm. <laughs> um right. and so you know, between cities, between neighborhoods, it wasn't too different. It was more so about like, it was actually an opportunity to stretch across whatever like city or town lines you kind of um, uh, knew and, and just connect with people. But we did hear from somebody else who said, your close friends get this kind of dap, and then the people you're not that close to, they might get a different kind of dap. Mm -hmm. So what are y'all's thoughts on that? Definitely. Um, you know, DC is, is a place where I feel like we do everything with kind of like uh, a little bit of like a, a like a nonce, you know, like it's so we don't even say the like the last con uh, syllables of our words, you know, like everything kind of like trails off. So everything is kind of like minimalist. And so, you know, we see people as like a really swift, like a, you know, like an end, you know, like all right, keep going, you know. <laughs> but I think that, uh, you know, when I got more comfortable with people and there were people who were like, I really wanted to embrace a moment with, you know, became like a, like a palm to palm, like a, a, a little more, a little more, um, uh, link, you know, it lingered a little bit, uh, you know, a little more body contact, a little more, uh, intentionality with the moment. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's a variance there. Intentionality. What do you think about that, Jason? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The first thing, um, when you ask that question, the first thing that that came to mind was like the timing um, when we're talking about dabbing up close friends like uh, you know I definitely remember like intentionally holding that longer holding the grasp a little bit longer like even as you're like talking uh, or whatever it's, it's you definitely hold it you hold it sometimes um, a little longer when there's people that 
uh, you know, people that you're really close to. And so you, you, you might be sharing a little bit more in, the, in that moment. Um, yeah, absolutely. My brother mentioned that when he went to junior high and high school, DAP was all about establishing yourself as like the cool kid and showing that you've been watching rap videos or more, but you know, my brother's a little bit older than you guys, or just showing that you're kind of hip to, to what's happening. Did you guys experience the same thing as you transitioned from like junior high to high school? I definitely did. Um, I think, you know, I can't really remember my first dab, but the first time I like saw some dab that was like really intrigued was when I would watch Fresh Prince and I would see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's cool. Like, sure. <laughs> I didn't really have like a friend that I could like do nothing like that. Everybody was too cool to be doing like, you know, bomb drops and psh and samples. <laughs> um, I always thought that that was uh, an exciting Thing that could be done with that. Yeah. Any other, any other thoughts about how the media kind of influenced the culture? Because that, that, that's what I think about all the time. I think about the Fresh Prince when we first started talking about doing this project. That's one of the first images that came to mind. But any other images in the media that that immediately come to mind besides that one or at all? Um, this is a little later, but yeah, I always think about that video of when Barack Obama like insert entered that room <laughs> into like the basketball locker room and he was giving handshakes, handshakes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like demonstrative gap <laughs> in the room. And you know, I think that moment always like sticks into my mind as like just an intentional um, decision to take up space, you know? Yeah. yeah. An acknowledgement that's so um, I keep saying intentional. <laughs> it's not on purpose, but I think there's a reason why, like, my, my body keeps wanting to say intentional. But um, it's just like a, a commanding of the moment and, like, you know, saying this is not much has to be said, but right. what's up? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as, as black males or black men, you know, or men in general, we tend to be less communicative than our female counterparts. And you mentioned the moment, you know, when you hold it a little bit longer, you know, we want, we do communicate in our own way. And I think that moment is one of those ways we communicate. You know, we don't always tell our boy, yo, dude, I love you. Or you my, you my boy. Or, but when we hold that depth for extra two seconds, we're, we're, I think we may be saying something very similar. What do you think about what you are communicating in those moments? Or have you ever thought about those moments? Um, for me, I think that, you know, I'm thinking about, I don't know when this started happening, but like the dap that transitions into a hug, you know, like the dap and like the fist pound or the back or like the backpack. Like it's something that I, I know that I do with Jason a lot. Uh, and I don't really know when I started doing that, but I think, you know, even getting into the, you know, it was such like a segue into, you know, hugging my male friends, you know, something that seems so taboo or something that's, you know, just not, really natural um you know something that has to be done on purpose and uh, i think that that kind of made it clear to me that there are levels to, to the dap and there are ways that we are expressing especially because it can go so much further uh so i think that you know that moment i mean just even the moment of you know physical contact because you know i think black black men really don't make that much physical contact with each other unless we're like playing sports or like mm -hmm. like that so 
for me, I think, you know, the moment of just like, even like hand to hand and the way it can become like body to body contact is something that can desensitize us to a lot of, uh, you know, stereotypes of what male to male contact should look like. And also just uh, allow for moments of intimacy because black men need intimacy amongst each other. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it took eight interviews <laughs> to finally get a brother to say that. We appreciate you, Malachi. We appreciate you. No, Rhonda, Rhonda appreciates you. <laughs> I will say, I don't know if I would have said that if Jason wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the backstory about the word intimacy. So I used it in one of me and Aaron's offline conversations, and he was like, um, yeah, I don't know about that. And I said, I'm going to drop it and see what happens. So I did. And the guys were like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is, uh, ain't nobody, ain't nobody. No. Intimacy. This ain't It's my friend. What do you, Rhonda, all these words. So I just feel validated. Yes. And I do think, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to be very intergenerational with the DAP project. And as we mentioned, you guys are the first folks under age 35 that we've talked to. And I think there's a, a little bit more comfort with the younger, uh, slightly younger generation than, than where we are and, and being expressive that way. Um, and you, you talk about the hug. I brought this up in a previous interview, Rhonda. I think for me, since um, the, the murder of Trayvon Martin up to the murder of, well, up to the, I mentioned the death of uh, Kobe Bryant, but then our most recent case that happened in, in Georgia. I think those instances that we look at and reflect on as black men and realizing um, the fragility of our lives and the world that we live in and this America that we live in, I think that makes us want to connect on a deeper level innately because we know we realize how fragile life is as black men. But that's, that's just my personal thought and where those moments become more intimate. Go ahead, Rhonda. I would say on the female side, as a black female observer, we see pain and we see like the depth of the pain. And as, um, as people who generally are more expressive, we are keen to look for spaces and opportunities where you can express your pain because we see it. And what really captured my imagination about DAP is that it is a moment where you can relax and express that you appreciate your friend in front of you. And so to, to counter this narrative of black men as fill in the blank, something terrible, in that moment of DAP, it's like, how can you not see how loving this person is and how thoughtful and how caring and attentive they are, that they're communicating so much in just five seconds of, of an exchange. Um, Malachi, you mentioned that there are levels to it. There are levels to that. Can y'all speak to the different levels? Uh, can I hear from Jason? Because I think <laughs> you mentioned it too. I heard you say it too, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, Jason. Talk about that. <laughs> Coming in from like, um, you know, still talking about like like the intimacy element and some movement, like, you know, what the expressions can look like. I think Jason was a really important friend for me in um, opening myself up to ways that I can be more, uh, you know, vulnerable, honest, genuine with my Black male friends. And so, and so I think that Jason would be good. Levels. Levels. <laughs> so, 
So this definitely comes from uh, um, growing up where I grew up and, and the need to show just an extra level of, of uh, compassion when, when interacting with uh, black male friends and black male family. Um, so it definitely has to do with um, how I grew up and then also like the, the kind of uh, affection that comes from um, a lot of the uh, women in my life too growing up, absolutely. Um, just, you know, seeing like the warmth of those interactions like that I had with my, with my mom and my aunts and all that. And, you know, especially as a young person wondering why on earth wouldn't this be shared with like my male <laughs> friends and, and male family members? Like, this is beautiful. And so, you know, very like early on in, uh, you know, my homieship with, with Malachi, like we, I feel like we cut that out real soon. I feel like we cut that, that a lot of those, those barriers out real soon because, um, you know, on account of the space that we were in and also I think um, also on account of uh, the kinds of people that we are and, and, and how we grew up, I think we were just able to, to connect and really um, allow that space between us, right? Allow that, allow that sharing, allow that acknowledgement because, um, you know, I, I think that that does happen with daps in general, I think that does, but like being more verbal about it, <laughs> being more verbal about it, being more expressive about what exactly you're doing, what exactly you're communicating. Um, I think that I just, in, in my mind, like each of your black male friends deserves that, wherever they're coming from and wherever they're headed. Um, so that's definitely, you know, where my mind is at with that and, 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 and the levels of uh, communication and, and intimacy that are involved with the dap. So it's like a level one, like a, a beginning when you first meet a guy, the kind of dap that they get? Yeah, it's, it's no, there's a level zero because you don't know if they're going to dap you up or not. So speak on that. What's level zero? <laughs> Absolutely. Level zero. It, level zero can last for just half a second. <laughs> But you never know. You never know what you're gonna get from somebody, and so you you gotta watch body language and how they step to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't know if you're gonna get a um, a, a mixer handshake or <laughs> or if this person's gonna greet you like how you know you've been greeting people your whole life. Yeah, you don't know, okay. and so there's a level zero. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like level that. one. What's level one? Mm. Level one is, uh, level one includes meeting people for the first time. And, you know, if you're, if someone's being introduced to you, like from a friend, you know, that's a, that's a level one. That's a level one to me as well. Like, um, you know, especially if it's a, if it's another, uh, black male friend, like it's, there's there's something there that you can already communicate a lot with that with that dad. That's a level one. That means something. It doesn't. You're not best friends. <laughs> you know you don't know right. um, each other's life story. But there's that's level one. It's introductory. It's introductory. You get to talking. Um, okay. You know most of the time this is happening. You're you're hanging out with folks, right? You had a party. You had um, you're just chilling or you're with Malachi in the studio, like. <laughs> 
uh, and, someone, and someone comes in, um, you're getting to know, you're getting to explore a little bit. You can do that in a variety of ways. It doesn't need to be a sit down and, you know, tell me your life story. It's more so, what are we connecting over? Is it music? Is it, uh, is it whatever it may be, there's, there's, a, there's a level of, of uh, getting to know one another in the, in the level one doubt. And then there's level two. <laughs> hey, talk about level two, Mel. <laughs> you trying to get my man to do a, a dissertation on the spot. <laughs> I'm like, shoot, let me see the pyramid. I'm like, here I go. <laughs> but I think, you know, level two, I think what, something that's important is the fact that not everybody has the same relationality that relationship with that um you know so i think that you can just tell a lot about a person and there's i think it's something that's not really mentioned a lot but like there there's a lot of people who sometimes you dap them up and it's like a weird awkward like hand shuffling that happens yes yes <laughs> oh, it's like a shake or a that you know it's like a fumble uh, wait you ever dap somebody and your fingers like out of place but you don't want to correct it <laughs> I've, I've had Several uh, injuries from handshakes. I, I these, are, these are real black men issues y'all are talking about here. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> um, but I think level two is is one that is comfortable. It's it's you know it's no like what what type of dap is this about to be? It's second nature. Um, it probably includes some more some con like a um you know like a, a little bit of like a shoulder bump or like a little bit more like contact, a little more intimacy. It's not just a, a in passing. Hey, what's good? What's up? It's like a where I was good, like, yeah. hey, you know, how you, you know, almost a how you doing in itself. Mm. Mm -hmm. okay. When does mm. the arm come out? Yeah, so if you're like level two, sounds like you're not that close, like you're almost there, but not that close. But at some point, you know, the arm comes out. That's like, I feel like that's like, Family reunion, like <laughs> you know, God, that year, you know, like oh man, it's been a minute. Was good, bro. Like, like okay. you know, it's almost like an inherent like gratefulness and inherent like embrace of the moment that happens. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, I, I find a lot of times when I dap Jason, you know, um, I mean, I feel like we way past level three, but you know, like, no, we <laughs> we don't have that level. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we don't have a name for our level yet. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, their uh, level three is, is, is one that's, um, oh, I'm sorry. What I was saying was uh, with Jason, like when we were on level three, it was like, it felt like I could feel like we both were in the same world, you know, like we both understood you know the recent uh, the recent slangs of of black bodies on TV. We both understood that we were in this oppressive space in Princeton. Uh, we both were on a gap year. We both were you know it was it was a, a a recognition a mutual recognition of of each other's circumstances and each our uh, positioning in in the current world. Uh, yeah. That's when I really feel like the the nonverbal communication <laughs> really starts to happen. One that. Mm -hmm. Based on conversations that have really happened, you know, it's not like an improv conversation. Like, I think I understand you. It's like, a, no, we know each other. We are in the same world, and we're navigating it together. So, you guys have alluded to a couple times Princeton. So, tell us, you know, the the meeting story. Where did you guys meet? And let's talk about um, Princeton and that experience. Ooh. <laughs> I've always known you, bro. 
<laughs> right. So y'all met at Princeton. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely met. Yeah. Um, the, the, the context is furry. Like, I think I, we met through a mutual friend that we transcended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think we actually met, like, on our way to a party or something like that. You know, like, we were in the same room going somewhere. Mm-hmm. He told me he was from Florida, you know. Um, and I don't know. I think I think our I don't it's so weird. Our trajectory is so nonlinear that for me, I don't even I don't know, Jay. What's up? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> no, honestly, um, you know, when we first met, there was no like indication of of, of what would come from <laughs> from our uh uh, meeting each other. But you mentioned that um, Princeton is many things and one word that you used to describe it was oppressive. So we know it's a predominantly white institution and Aaron and I have spent time a predominantly white institution so we can kind of get a sense of that but mm-hmm. add, a, add the color to it. How was it oppressive in, in your experience and when I was at Columbia I always felt like I had to be very intentional to use your word about being a woman of color otherwise it would be easy to just fade into the background. So talking about a school that's, you know, 5.85% African-American. I just Googled it for us all. Um, And we've been relating this too, uh, Rhonda, like I I mentioned, I went to an HBCU for undergrad where, you know, everybody is, it's the barbershop all day, every day, right? It ain't the barbershop at Columbia. When you're at HBCU, it's always a barbershop. Mm -hmm. But when you're at Columbia or when you're at Princeton, you, you have a, a small circle where you're seeking those barbershop moments. Um, so, so no, absolutely, I think it, I think it's you know you yeah you saw each other, and it was like oh, I can't remember I, the trajectory was off, but it's almost kismet, right? It's like, of course y'all have to somehow. Of course, there's plenty of. A black male, not plenty, but there are black males that you're not as close to on Princeton's campus. But it's still as meaningful as you all greet those fellow black men on that campus as it as it is for you two, as close as you are, uh, in one way or another. But let me not steal the meaning of your story <laughs> with that moment of mine. I just want to share that stat with you, 5.85% on Princeton's campus. It's, it's real funny you bring up the barbershop, Aaron, because I think that was one of the things that brings a lot of Black men uh, together in their first year. Everyone needs that um, that replacement. And so early on, you know, early at, soon after we uh, we met, we were making space uh, for uh, talking about getting our, uh, finding someone to do our hair, um, sharing numbers and all that. And then also just making space to hang out um, with just other Black men in our uh in our class, in our grade, like, you know, having certain rooms, certain dorm rooms and stuff where we could go to to, to, to party and make sure that we were running the music and all that, that was really important because a lot of folks were coming from places where they're used to that. You know, we are used to that. We are used to hearing and moving our bodies to certain wavelengths. And uh, you know, a lot of people in the space that we were in <laughs> didn't know how to do that. And so, so we had to create those spaces. We had to create those spaces. And I think that's definitely one of the big uh, contributing factors to the relationship that me and Mal have now is this idea of 
taking up space because we know that that's not only what we need, but also what folks around us need, black men around us need. Um, you know, that, yeah, that, that has a lot to do with uh, how we navigated Princeton, uh, making sure that we were taking up the space that we, that we needed, um, you know, not to step on toes. If we did step on toes, that's okay. But like <laughs> more so for us. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I don't really remember the moment I first met Jason, because I felt like we were always kind of like on the same wavelength as it pertained to making space. Like we always wanted to create space. Uh, and when he speaks on like the parties that we used to throw, like, you know, I got blessed with a really great freshman year room and <laughs> we had parties every week. Like, <laughs> you know, it, say the name, Malbox. <laughs> it was Malbox. It was Malbox. <laughs> Mailbox with Jason Law Ox, like. Did make flyers? No, we didn't have to. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> really knew where it was. Hey, we needed flyers in the. They don't make flyers no more. Flyers <laughs> in the early nineties. My bad. That's right. I, no. I can laugh. They don't know about that. Um, but you know, I think speaking to Princeton um, a little bit more is, um, you know, I felt like. As specifically as a person coming from DC, where I quickly realized that the black population was small, the African American percentage was smaller than that, and the urban, urban, low income, that, that was much smaller, you know? And it was just so many levels of representation um, that I felt that my identity was just unique. And um, I just very quickly, decided that one I was never gonna have fun being a regular Princeton student and <laughs> going to like their those eating clubs it just wasn't gonna happen um but I think that you know one of the reasons why I really appreciated Jason and the you know the way like he said we started to take up space was the fact that we both had that mutual like we both made the mutual decision to not be minimized silenced quieted or marginalized uh, we decided that we would be protests um, everywhere we went and we were ridiculous and we've only gotten more ridiculous. So, you know, uh, but in a, in a, in a more, in a, in a beautiful, empathetic, uh, compassionate way, which mm -hmm. is not just creating space, to, you know, to, to, to take away other spaces, but to create inclusive spaces um, where, you know, for, for people that are not usually visible. And, you know, one thing I think that I'm really appreciative about my relationship with Jason is that it's, we've always been um, people who are committed to learning and becoming better people. And, you know, that started freshman year with a couple of parties and it's not as simple as it seems. Yeah. Right, right. So would you say your DAP is an entree to building those relationships at Princeton, a way to identify um, for lack of a more nuanced phrase, what team you're on. But I've actually borrowed that from other people because I've heard from other guys that we've talked to that given the DAP is a way to assert, this is where I'm coming from. Like, I'm blackity black. So DAP me up. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, we definitely greeted our black male friends with, with, with heavy DAPs in general, in general. Um, there, there is kind of an underlying uh, understanding as a black man, not all black men on, on, on Princeton's campus, but, <laughs> but most, <laughs> that we are few and far between. And uh, there is just more power in us connecting and, and sharing space and having fun together um, and working together when, when it's time for that as well, maybe. Um, 
But also there are, as we said, there, there are levels. And so, you know, the, the daps between me and, and Mal were, they were, they were, I'll admit, they were beyond taking space. They were, <laughs> they, they were an assertion. They were an assertion of, of um, you know, the idea that we are going to thrive in this space as, as best as we can. And so, you know, beyond just the, the daps to uh, introduce, the daps to uh, say goodbye, the daps to, uh, um, you know, get to know folks, there were, <laughs> there were the handshakes and, and the daps that were just, they, they just carried more power, especially in the space that we were in. How did you find your, uh, your white counterparts to respond to that? when they see you giving this to each other? Well, so I'm gonna let Mal take this because I can, I know in my heart, I have never looked to their faces to see what they had to say about <laughs> Now he set me up, cause he knows <laughs> well. But if he look at it, look at it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the best part about it is, um, so one, I think we, there was a moment where we realized that the, you know, the way that we greeted each other with our daps was, was very salient and boisterous and big. Um, you know, I don't know, sometimes you dap somebody up and it's like your palms clap in this way that creates like this thunder. I don't know mm -hmm. if you ever experienced that, you know, but it was kind of like that even when it didn't make the noise, you know? Yeah. Um, but one thing that came about that was I started dapping up white people on purpose. Uh, you know, I think there was a lot of expectation that we would, you know, have handshakes and I know, uh, now I'm gonna dab you up and we, we don't share the co same cultural experience. We're not saying the same thing, but I'm also not shaking your hand because that's the right way to greet each other. Um, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> so I think mm -hmm. that it was always, um, just an, an, you know, I don't know. I felt like there was always a decision to be made. Um, but between Jason and I, uh, you know, it just kept getting more. We haven't even spoken to the fact yet that we have a, a whole handshake um, and it's lengthy. And, <laughs> and it became more and more about, you know, not even just like let white people see us doing this, but also other black people. You know, you know, this is who we are. This is our friendship. And, um, you know, we don't have a problem with it being uh, loud and being, you know, some big thing that you can see because that's who we are. And that's the way that we navigate uh, this space. So, why was that important to you? That's For me, I think it was important because um, it felt like a moment where time was suspended. Uh, it felt like this between, you know, when we start doing this, this is the only thing that matters, literally the only thing. That matters. Um, and when, you know, one, you know, when I mentioned Princeton being oppressive, I think one of the most oppressive things is that, you know, um, as a person with a marginalized identity, it feels like you're being micromanaged at every point, you know, Constantly. the microaggressions, the, the, the undertones and a lot of conversations, it feels like almost every, every, every second, it feels like hyper, uh, hyper visible or uh, hyper salient. So uh, it was important to me because I wasn't really thinking about what white people saw. I wasn't really thinking about what this looked like. Uh, it was a moment between me and my boy. You know, it was a moment between me and my best friend. And that was what was important.
you said about how you say you give white people that because we as black people are forced to code switch so many times to uh, assimilate so many times. But to say, you know, I'm, we've, we've talked about this in our past interviews and I'm anti-adapt to white people. And I came to some sort of res resolution in the last uh, interview. But for you to say what you said, that, I mean, that is part of like, why, in the, why am I code switching for you when this is what I do? This is who I am. This is how I greet people. Uh, that, that, that resonated with me. So I appreciate you, you sharing that. So the, uh, the Black Justice League, I think, is your effort at Princeton to expand the presence and the import, the respect for people of color, for Black people in particular at Princeton. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Whoa. Uh, wow, that is a blast from the past, man. Uh, that was my freshman year, uh, shoot, so it was fall 2014, and that was one of the most polarizing things I've ever done. Uh, you know, I think that when people think about the Black Justice League, they think about, uh, you know, the protests, they think about, you know, efforts for the Black community, they think about the sit-ins, the die-ins, and stuff like that. But we faced a lot of backlash from the Black community as well. You know, a lot of people that didn't feel like there were a lot of, uh, athletes there were a lot of you know upper class black people that you know accused us of creating racism essentially you know of people that were kind of like you know but but the, the illusion that i always had was you know when you have like if i pull the covers off your bed and your sheets are messy and they the the fitted is not on the bed was always messy. Just because you put like a blanket over it don't mean, you know, and you know if your mom come in the room, she gonna pull that blanket off it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, uh, I think the Black Justice League was just, it was the hard, one of the hardest things I've ever done because it required me to be so, much, so um, committed to principles as opposed to it was committed to the population. And that was a tough thing. Um, there was a, at the time, there was a social network that was big. It was called Yik Yak. And it was this anonymous platform for people in your area. And we got a lot of backlash. A lot of uh, BJL members faced death threats, um, you know, threats to family members from, you know, from, from, you know, this university that's supposed to be like some of the best people in the country or the best mm -hmm. intellects or whatever. And, you know, they couldn't stand our protest. They couldn't stand the fact that we were so impassioned. And this is after the death of Mike Brown. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, regardless of the social context uh, or, you know, the, the imminent threat that we felt on our lives and our livelihood, uh, we we faced a lot of backlash. And so for me, Black Justice League was so important because um, one, uh, I was one of the youngest people in it. Most of them were upperclassmen. Uh, the activists were upperclassmen at the time. And it kind of it kind of set the precedent for what my purpose at Princeton was. I knew that the black community at Princeton wasn't, and not to say it wasn't my community, but it wasn't the community that I came from and it wasn't the community that I was always gonna be fighting for. And to know that there was a moment where I had to be like, okay, not all skin folk can fall, <laughs> you know? And to say that I have, I'm carrying so many people with me that aren't here, aren't able to be here, are no longer here. Uh, it was, a lot of that was the, the only way that I stayed at that university and kept my sanity in the midst of being in a group that wasn't, it wasn't always as popular as, as it seems in retrospect. Like, it was really, it was really tough time. Right. Jason, you wanna to add to that? Were you part of the, uh, the league? So um, 
the I was I was not in that uh, in that uh, group. I was there with the you know for the town halls that we were having um, uh, before and after the 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 major protests and uh, also just checking in on on the folks I knew in the, in the BJL because you know Mal said that it wasn't uh, you know a very popular group. <laughs> Some of the harshest and 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 most most vicious uh, responses toward the the BJL came from within uh, the black community at Princeton. Certainly, um, you know we would try to hold space to, uh, you know, talk about what how folks are feeling and processing a lot. Keep in mind, I mean, you know, this is uh, in the moment of a lot of black suffering and 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 black tragedy in in the country. And so as I'm like checking in with fam uh, back home with regard to like uh, Zimmerman and all that, because I mean, they were, mm-hmm. that's 10 minutes from where I grew up. Wow. Less than that. Um, and so as I'm like checking in with them folks and checking in with BJL people, I'm, I'm just seeing a, a whole lot of, 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 yes, a whole lot of hate, but also just, um, you know, punishment for people who are speaking up on, who are speaking up about black suffering, who are speaking up and trying to, trying to validate the lives that people are trying to dismiss. And so, you know, in the, in the heat of that moment, it was a lot of uh, checking in. And um, as I said, I, I wasn't a part of the, uh, the group, so, so Mal can correct me on this, but, um, you know, from, from the folks who I was talking to, it seemed that the BJL also turned into a lot of just caring for one another in that space that became so violent uh, towards what they were, what they were doing and, and, and the, um, you know, the major events in in the country at the time. So, you know, there was a lot of, of healing that had to occur in that space as well. Did you feel that you were losing um, friends as evidenced by the depth that you were feeling? Some guys have told us that when they have beef with somebody, they may give them like the quick dap just to say, you know, we're cool, but we're not really that cool because I'm actually kind of pissed at you right now. So, so Princeton is small. <laughs> Prince, Princeton is small, small, small. So, you know, with a, with a very small um community of, of, of black people at Princeton, whether they be um, uh, immigrants, African-Americans, like it's small. So each interaction is just, there's a lot of stress on each interaction mm-hmm. <laughs> that you did that. I'll speak for myself that I wasn't used to um, having that kind of stress on each interaction with each individual. And so uh, you, you kind of have to, you know, even if there's that negative energy that you're talking about, you kind of have to, um, put it into perspective a little bit because you know each interaction each dap is the effect of that could be magnified because of how small it is and so you kind of had to you know for me I, I had to weigh a little bit like you know is there space for dialogue here or or is it really the um situation where we both have to be like uncomfortable and and <laughs> not mm-hmm. dapping how we how we wanted that or, or or whatever and so um you kind of got to weigh those options when you're in a yeah. small community like that. And, um, you know, I admit it was, it was definitely a, 
a, a different space than than from what I grew up in. Absolutely. What you got, Malika? <laughs> um, Jason is a much better person than I am. I will say that for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> I bring on the show. <laughs> This is really hard for me, man, because I think Jason is really good at, uh, he's a very poised, uh, contemplative, thoughtful <laughs> person. And, you know, he he loves his communities and I, and I love I love my communities as well. Uh, but also I wasn't really good at the Princeton experience because I think what a lot of people don't understand is that people come to Princeton to network. Mm. You know, and a lot mm. of people treat it as a networking experience the entire time, right? And when this, I'm not used to like performance as like as it means to connect to a person, especially especially black people, right? And so for me, a lot of times when I stopped messing with somebody, I wasn't dapping them up because I didn't. I, I we're not cool, like <laughs> like <laughs> on principle, we're not cool, you know. And so I didn't even like. I feel like the dap is so sacred. You know, why Why are we even faking like this is a thing? But a lot of Princeton is, you know, let's act like it's cool and then we'll talk about it each other behind our backs. I'm not mm. really with that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there are a couple of times where, you know, like if I'm a person with a little bit more authority in the room, like, you know, if I'm on like the board of the Princeton Black Male Association, which I wasn't, but like this is as an example, um, you know, I'll, I won't intend, you know, I won't make sure that the space is exclusive for another Black person, right? Like I would make sure I don't, not that one person of 15. Uh, mm. But on my more individualized interactions, uh, I didn't really play the networking game. Uh, there were a lot of people that I, I knew because of my identity and the challenges that I faced as a freshman, as a 17-year-old freshman coming into that space where my protests were demonized, um, that some, a lot of people didn't support my identity, didn't support my lifestyle, didn't support my way of living. So uh, no, I didn't give a lot of fake daps at Princeton because I didn't feel like if you deserved a lesser dap, I felt like you didn't deserve dap at all. <laughs> so you did not give the obligatory dap. I did. A, I did a couple where I had to save face for the the, the greater good of the black community. But delegation, martyr, martyr dap. I still have regrets to this day. <laughs> I yeah, 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 yeah. Oof. That's heavy. That's real, though. That's real heavy. That's yeah. So we're in this era of uh, of not giving that, and uh, this health crisis, this pandemic. So talk to us about that. What's that been like to not be able to see your friends and to not be able to give them that if you see them in person? Or what are your thoughts on when we emerge from from where we are from the stay at home and you're actually we're actually out and about again? How do you see that? looking from the jump i i think about um you know over the past several years like having be, having to be separated from a lot of my good homies like mal um you know we, we've taken gap years off at different times and so like space is not entirely new to um uh several of my relationships with with my very good black male friends um so you know, we've, I've been keeping in touch. I've been keeping in touch and <laughs> talking a lot about what's going down as soon as we're off this quarantine. 
<laughs> that's important. That's important. Look into the future and, and, and planning celebrations, especially right. as a lot of, um, you know, especially as a lot of homies are like, you know, making wins right now and, and graduating um, and, and different things like those, those events warrant celebration. And so looking ahead to that, um, you know, the daps will be extra powerful once, once we're off this and we can, and we can, um, you know, that's a milestone. That's a milestone coming off graduation, this and that, and, and then also um, surviving this very serious uh, situation that's, that's, uh, that's hurting families and whatnot. So I've been, I've been looking forward to the celebrations and, and communicating that openly with, with, with my homies because they will be good. As soon as it's safe, we don't want no second and third waves, but like. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be the that hurt around the world. <laughs> yep. that, that, I like that. Look. I like that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm about to Thunder dap. Thunderous dap. That's um, the thunderous dap. <laughs> thunderous dap. To be honest. Uh, I honestly don't. I am glad that Jason is in Florida because I wish I would see him in that dabbing. But there is. I mean, I, don't, I might got to get some like construction gloves or something like that. But it ain't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's one six feet I'm willing to risk. I'm sorry, y'all gonna have to deal with the consequences. Of <laughs> I'll go right back into quarantine after that. I don't care. <laughs> Ground zero in Princeton University for the third wave. <laughs> um, but um, I think the first thing that I think of is, you know, uh, I took a couple of things to my grandmother a couple of weeks ago, and I wasn't able to hug her, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that was so tough. Um, he see my grandmother, you know, she's getting older. Um, and to know this is somebody who, you know, when we used to give each other hugs when we were young, like she would like crack my back and, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how, that's the type of person I became. Right. And, you know, like Jason, I was also raised by many black women and we hug when we hug intentionally, we hug passionately. We hug. I hate when people pat me on the back when they hug. I don't do I'm pats. Like, oh, pats are the side hugs. I don't do it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> terrible. Can't do it. Can't stand it. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't touch but, me. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Just walk past me. You know what? Forget my name, number, all that. <laughs> um, but I think you know that that my upbringing in that sense uh, speaks to why you know person to person contact is so important for me and is so 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 it's such an important um, part of how I communicate and. You know, and also even the way I dap, you know, like Jason is one of the first people I just like hug straight on. Like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like going to dap a black man up and he just like goes straight past, like yeah. <laughs> straight yeah. in for an embrace. You know, I, I've never experienced something like that. Right. Um, so, I mean, I know with people like Jason, where we're so in alignment and we're so like our synergy is so crazy that, you know, we'll find some type of way to make it happen. But uh, I think it is it's really going to be hard um, to to not touch people, like to not hug my brothers. Um, you know, I think that one yeah. one perspective that Jason and I have had, you know, he spoke on the gap years. Uh, but, you know, when when you return from time away at Princeton, um, you, you're automatically a little, you have a, a, a elder energy to you, right? And so when, you know, when you meet a freshman as a, as a sophomore, as a senior who's taking a year off, you control the way that you all interact, right? You know, you, you have so much right. uh, uh, veteranship in that moment where, 
where if I say we about to hug, we're about to hug. If I if I grab your hand, you you know, don't pull away from the hug. Like, you know, you can kind of dictate the space a little bit, right? And, you know, when I started to do those daps with the arms with, you know, freshmen, sophomores, and and you know, making making the uncomfortableness, right? Um, that, that I feel like that's such a, a under a underrated and undervalued part of my experience at Princeton. It's just like how much, you know, we adapt people, how much I embraced my my fellow black men like i've never hugged black men like i did at princeton you know but that's looking back at the end of it but i'm also thinking about when i came in as a freshman it was so many awkward daps so many weird handshakes because oh, yeah. we Level just on the same page mm-hmm. at all right but so but i think that the evolution of the way that i adapt and embrace black men over time at princeton is really indicative of the way that i began to interact with my community and it's going to be really hard uh to to figure out a world in which i have to do it verbally or do it from six feet away right real quick for jason uh you know princeton's campus both ivy league schools princeton and uh columbia uh, and Grad school versus undergraduate school is a different experience too in itself. But how would you say things are different? I mean, you're in a gentrifying Harlem in Columbia. Mm-hmm. You're and you're at a semi-rural area when you're at Princeton. But how does how does DAP or how does the culture feel different amongst Black folks at Columbia versus Black folks at uh, Princeton? Oof, it's that's big, and that's that's something that I've definitely been uh, struggling with over over my first year. Because at Princeton, you could you could make the community. That's what we did. We had the we had the time, and we were intentional about that. It's it's tougher at the policy school right now um, because we are few and far between, and also um, there are we are confronted with with a lot of perspectives of people coming from. Um, you know, different countries and, and stuff coming from uh, international spaces where they, you know, at, a, at the baseline, they don't know what's going on with Black people in the United States. Mm-hmm. They don't know. It's crazy. Uh, just the other day, I was speaking with some, with some friends who, um, you know, we're getting ready to welcome, like, the new cohort. And so I was like, hey, y'all, I, I really think we could um, use our roles right now to kind of uh, bring people into these, these dialogues and these spaces to have conversation and to understand, um, you know, everything that's, not everything, but what's going on in the city that they're in. Like, they're in, y'all are in Harlem right now. Mm-hmm. Y'all, not, y'all are not in Morningside. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Y'all are in Harlem. And so making an effort to uh, do that. And, um, you know, a couple of the other people were like, yeah, but, and, and I think we, but I think we need to do this in a way where uh, we acknowledge that people, you know, don't even know the the first topic. They don't even know their first question about what's going on. And so I was yeah. like, "Wow, this is tough." Because at Princeton, that's I was start. We were starting in a different in a different square. This is this is square zero. Yeah, <laughs> this is square zero. And so having to build that community. Um, with the black people in that space, it's, it's tough because uh, folks are moving through there in a year or two. Yeah. It's not the same four years that we had at Princeton to just be ridiculous and be loving openly and loudly. <laughs> we, don't, yeah. we, don't, we have less time and folks got a lot more to do. <laughs> yeah, and you're in the middle of New York City at that, right? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So it's, it's tough. 
it's it's it's, it's definitely tough. Um, we're making it work between the group chats and the and the parties and sharing different clubs and stuff to go to. Where we're trying to make it work. It's important. It's important because that policy school needs black love. Right. And for you, Malachi, are you are you in DC now, Mal? Yeah, I'm in I'm in DC right now. Yeah. How, how do you feel? I mean, the changes you you've seen. I mean, you said you came back to DC during high school, and and, and generally that this is home for you for life. But what have you seen? How has purposeful death or reasons to death or people to death with changed in your lifetime and a gentrifying DC? Yeah, uh, I think that it's important to acknowledge that my relationship with the DC that I identify with has always kind of been retrospective. Uh, you know, I grew up on you know, folklore of my aunts and my moms and my grandmother's stories of Chocolate City, right? Uh, but, you know, my most prominent years in DC were in the gentrification era, right? And so, you know, my experience is, is like trying to mimic this experience that they had, but it's just simply not possible. You know, we don't have the go-go's. We don't, that was shut down. You know, that, you know, we don't have a lot of the public's, you know, the, 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 the legality of, of music in public spaces changing, right? right. Um, there are just so many ways that I feel like the DC that I, that I identify with, and especially going to Princeton, where you know I'm like performing this identity as the only DC boy here, right? And you know I have this notion of what DC is, and I go home and it's completely different, yeah. <laughs> you know. And yeah. so I think that each time that I go home, uh, it feels like my city is like a little less not mine because like my I mean well actually yes less mine, but my my city has become almost a concept right you know it's something that has to be recreated in a space that's not on land uh, it has to be created in ways that aren't um visible uh and sometimes that's dap right yeah. you know i feel like there was a time when i was in high school where i would be dapping people up as a way to kind of like disarm them right to kind of be like yo like i'm cool i belong in this space too this is our space but when i come home from princeton it's a completely different context that i have right it's yo outside of dc and like the enemies that we can have within our city there is a world of supremacy trying to kill us at every corner there's a there is like my um <laughs> a, a, a institutional a global institution <laughs> that that wants us to not be us and so you know when i'm dapping people at home when i come home from princeton it's completely different it's bro we're from the same city that's being killed right now we're from the same community we're from the same drama to be honest you know it's 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 connectivity in this way which understands a more like global blackness and um is a more like dire and intense like community like desire to to exchange energy and spread love um through a handshake because not everybody you can have uh, conversations about institutional racism and systemic violence with <laughs> but you can dap your brothers up and you can embrace them in a way which makes them feel loved seen heard and considered yeah 
Um, before, really quickly, I just, I think it's important to acknowledge how, you know, we talked a little bit about intimacy earlier. We talked a bit about, um, you know, vulnerability and opening up and genuineness and black male co uh, relationships that inspire more openness and more genuineness. And I think it is important to say this, and I'm going to embarrass him, but I think in, it is important to say in as many spaces as possible that Jason was one of the first friendships where, as my black male friendships, where he just said, I love you. And that was jarring. Like, I will never forget the first time he said that to me. Like, we were on the phone. We had weathered a blizzard in D.C. It, he's from Florida. So, like, he was like, yo, what is happening? Right? And he stayed with me. And he goes home. And he calls me from the airport. And he's like, all right, bro. Like, I love you. And I wish I could say, like, with my, you know, my level-headedness, I was like, dang, this is a moment. I love you, too. I was jarred. I was like, dang. Uh, all right, bro. Peace. <laughs> 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 I'm going to put you on the spot and ask. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask, though. It meant the world to you for him to say that, though, didn't it? Absolutely. It yeah. changed my entire relationship with him, with myself, with the Black experience. Honestly, like, I didn't know that that was possible, you know? I mean, maybe I have, like, dope uncles. You know, I've had dope father figures. Um, but, you know, from a peer, from a friend, from a, right. a black man my age, you know, right. I didn't know that that was a thing we did slash could do. And, you know, I think since then, I've realized that our relationship and our connectivity and our, and our, and our potential to change the world is so much bigger than just like constructions of what black manhood is supposed to look like and masculinity is supposed to look like. And we have, I think, one of the reasons why I really just have always appreciated Jason is that he's always grown with age you know he's always matured in a way that is always contemplating ways that he can become a better global citizen and a person of the world um and and you know oppressing as as little people as possible <laughs> and um <laughs> i think that this really important um relationship for me because uh i've i've done now since then i tell almost all my black male friends i love them right but Maybe. if i didn't meet jason i'd never never would have yeah yeah to an extent i think the depth is the i love you that we are unable to say for for uh, in many occasions many occasions. but i felt i felt the same way i mean this was probably 20 years ago when my best friend just randomly sent me a text like i love you man and it felt good as hell but it it was jarring at the same time even in a text but it felt good right. to hear that because i love my boy and to hear my that my boy loves me too that feels great. So, but that's what that's what DAP is to an extent. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's the moment where black where body language meets verbal language. It says nothing, but it says everything. It's peace. It's good to see you. It's you good. It's I love you. It's one of the ways black people found another way to make make community out of nothing. That's it. Yes, sir. That's it right there. Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much for all of this. Thank you for, for prompting this. You know, like, it's just one of those things that I just wouldn't think to think about. I feel like in my personal experience, uh, I've just, I've, I've grown to intellectualize so much and to overanalyze so much of my experience and to always be thinking from a perspective like outside of myself. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I know, but I've never really thought about how important this thing is. 
So I really just appreciate the the space and the the time. We spent an hour and a half talking about that. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. No, it's it's a it is a beautiful thing and um, you just never know the the depth of the emotion that's going to come to the surface. Like you think you know, but you like the weird like the diary of